Hello, and welcome to Covered in Credits, the bi-weekly podcast where we discuss books and their movie adaptations. I'm Ian George. And I'm Adina Hilton. In this episode, we'll be discussing Howl's Moving Castle. Howl's Moving Castle was written by Diana Wynne-Jones and published in 1986. And the film adaptation directed by Miyazaki came out in 2004. Yes. We get to talk about a Studio Ghibli I know, Miyazaki so film. I'm so excited. I am too. I love Studio Ghibli. They're just, uh, they're so, they're so magical. Magical. Whimsical. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first movie I ever watched. Um, ever? By Studio Ghibli. <laughs> <laughs> is uh, My Neighbor Totoro. Yeah. And I love it. It's so adorable. It is. And charming and whimsical and all the Totoros just are amazing. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, God, what was my first Studio Ghibli movie? It I think it was Spirited Away, mm-hmm. but that was like a long time ago. Yeah. And then the the actually the last one, I think the first one I saw in somewhat recent times was Howl's Moving Castle. Mm-hmm. We we talked about this recently. We we both saw it at college. Yeah. But we the, can't remember if we saw it together or not. Yeah. Because this would have been like right at the time we started dating in college. Yeah. So. so we either were at the same event, but not together. Yeah. Or we went there, the two of us together. But we can't remember. <laughs> we can't. We both <laughs> it remember was that long ago. seeing it and like the classroom it was in and everything. Yeah. But we don't remember each other being there. So No. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I probably would have remembered that if you were there. So Yeah. Is my guess. Mm-hmm. But anyway. <laughs> anyway, we're doing Howl's Moving Castle. I was like super, super into this movie for a while. So yeah. I, and I still like it a lot. But when I first saw it, I was like, holy shit, this is my jam. Like, <laughs> was, it, was it Howl? Yes, I was in love with Howl. Absolutely. As it seems, a lot of young ladies were. Yeah. Both yeah. over the book and the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, let's talk about the book and the movie, that's what we're here for. That's what yeah. we do. We know what you want. <laughs> we have the goods. We've got thoughts on books. We've got thoughts on movies. We've got it all. We, we have <laughs> both of those things. <laughs> uh, let's start by talking about this world of angry. Yes. And it sounds like a made up dumb word. <laughs> I mean, all words are made up, Adina. <laughs> I mean, the the kingdom of angry, like it, it doesn't roll off the tongue. No, I don't like it. I, I'm not. I'm not a huge fan myself either. And I mean, it's it's mentioned in the book. I don't think it's mentioned at all in the movie. Mm-hmm. So it is more book canon. But uh, and then the most of the story takes place. Well, we start out in a village of market chipping. Market chipping, which is also a strange name yeah but mm-hmm. a little better maybe yeah it's interesting so like the book world is kind of your standard fantasy world like there's magic there's witches and wizards mm-hmm. there are spells and curses and all that type of thing but beyond that there also seems to be this kind of uh reliance on like fairy tale tropes yeah. so almost like we are in a fairy tale right now and, uh, it's, and it's not super obvious at first. Like, there's talks about like, oh, the the witch of the waste, yeah, and like there's a wizard, and like we talk, we hear, we hear about Howl at first, mm-hmm. uh, but then it becomes more obvious as it goes on when like curses and shit happen, and people are like, oh yeah, she got cursed. Yeah, like <laughs> happens all the time. <laughs> you know when that happens. You know when people in market shipping go missing, and yeah. you're like, they've been they've been cursed. 
There is also this idea that, so Sophie, the main character, is the eldest of three sisters. Mm -hmm. And she talks about how the eldest of three sisters never has any adventures and is like very dull. And she's never going to have like an interesting life because that's just what happens. And she just accepts that. Yeah. And she also talks about like, because she has a stepmom. And so she's like, she should have been like an evil stepmother, but she was like, fine. You know, so these ideas like oh, we're supposed to follow like maybe that Cinderella story where she mm-hmm. had two older stepsisters and they were both evil and like the youngest is always the best one. Yeah, it, it kind of sets up those tropes and some of them it kind of changes, some of them it doesn't, but yeah. like they're very prominent. Something I thought was interesting was uh, in the book, in the movie, I'm sorry, uh, the town and stuff, it seems very European inspired. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I heard it was like based on like a, uh, area of like france yes. in the movie mm-hmm. but is the book so i I'm, I'm curious is the author do you know like scottish or irish she's from the uk so the she's UK. english okay because yeah. mm-hmm. in the book they, de- they describe the is it the moors or like the fields what, oh yeah is that what they say mm-hmm. like which i th- associate with being like is it ireland that like the Moors, quote um, it's more of a northern uh, England and Scotland. Okay, okay. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So I was wondering, and when I I listened to this partly on audiobook, mm-hmm. and they had a uh, like a an Irish woman narrating it, mm-hmm. so it kind of was like the movie's more like this French feel, and then the the book felt more like of an like a Scottish or Irish or whatever kind of you know, tone. So yeah, the book doesn't really, I mean, it just kind of vaguely feels like a fairy tale world, Mm -hmm. you know, but when you watch the movie, it definitely has a European, yeah, French type feel. And it's really interesting because when you watch it, um, it has this like steampunk type vibe to it yeah, where all the machines and cars and planes are all powered by steam and coal and like that type of thing. Yeah. And then they, their outfits and like the cars especially, and then the soldiers, the way they're dressed, have a very um, World War Two, not World War Two, World War One mm, feel yeah. to them. Like um, the Bavarian, Austria-Hungary, mm. that type of um, European uh, monarchies. And then you know before those big monarchies were dissolved after world war one but also the scenery also kind of looks almost like the alps yeah or yeah. like a switzerland austria type of, it did remind me of the sound of music in a lot of ways have you seen that movie and yeah the scenery in that? yeah mm-hmm. that's a good point all i know is there's a woman dancing on a mountain in that i haven't seen it <laughs> <laughs> she's just spinning and spinning <laughs> yes but the mountain area looks like a lot of scenes in house moving castle yeah yeah so yeah, I'm, I'm, gl- I'm glad you had some thoughts on that, too, because mm-hmm. you're clearly a little more perceptive on the, the World War One era stuff than I am. So that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, Sophie, she runs a hat store. She yeah. makes hats. That's all she does. And she's kind of a recluse. Yes. She it- Also, her last name is Hatter. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess that makes sense. People used to have names that were just were their what they did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Sorry, I got you off track. No, 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 you're fine. Uh, so she's kind of a recluse. She doesn't go out that much. She has these two sisters. And in the book, we immediately go into like this like extra convolution where the one sister goes to run a bakery or work at a bakery and yeah. the other goes to be an apprentice to a witch. Yeah. 
And then when Sophie goes to visit her sister in the bakery in the book, she finds out it's her other sister that they switched places. Yeah. And she looks like her sister because of a, a magic spell she's using. And it's like, oh, my God, what is happening already? Yeah, so every time they mention one of the sisters, you're like, wait, is this the real Martha yeah. and Letty? Or is this the switched Martha and Letty? Yeah. Like, it was very, very confusing. And Sophie is working in the hat shop with her stepmom because her dad died. And she sort of resigned herself to this fate. She's just yeah. like, yep, I'm just going to make hats forever. And the hat business seems to be doing well. But Sophie is... Hats are booming. Sophie this is, is still unhappy. This is a hat-driven economy. <laughs> <laughs> they buy and sell with hats. <laughs> uh, yeah, so she, in both stories and both versions, she goes out to visit her one sister at the bakery, and she has a run-in with Howl. Yeah. In the book, it's unknown at first who he is. He's just a guy, like, kind of hitting on her. Yeah. And she's like, oh, he's handsome, but no thanks. Yeah. Uh, in the movie, though, we kind of get this very like exciting kind of chase scene that's very magical and mm -hmm. Hal is just immediately like charming the most charming person yeah in he's the world like, let me help you because like soldiers are hitting on her and he's like uh she's with me yeah and then like he's being chased by these blobby creatures and then they start running away really fast and he's holding her arm and it's like he's literally sweeping her off her feet and flying in the and air flying in the <laughs> air and she's like <gasps> And then he like drops her off at her sister's bakery and she's like still not breathing when like, her sister Peace. catches up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so she's just totally like kind of overwhelmed by it. Mm -hmm. But it, and you get the idea also that she doesn't see herself very positively, like is very beautiful. Yeah. Because the rumor is Hal eats the hearts of beautiful women. Yeah. She's like, well, he wouldn't want my heart. Yeah. You're like, aw, Sophie. Stop it, Sophie. <laughs> <laughs> so... Sophie goes back to the hat shop where a woman comes in. Yes. A very bossy, annoying woman. And mm -hmm. Sophie's just kind of had it. Yeah. And she basically tells her to fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in a more uh, PG way than that. Yeah. But it's revealed that this is the infamous Witch of the Waste. Witch of the Waste. Which is the main antagonist. And we've heard rumors about, here, about her before this. Mm -hmm. Um, but she's very powerful, and in the book, she has killed or kidnapped the king's m magician, Wizard yeah. Solomon, and possibly his brother, Prince Justin. So she's very nefarious, but she comes into the hat shop and is basically like, how dare you mess with me? And Sophie's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And then she's like, have this, and puts a curse on Sophie and tells her that she can't tell anyone about it. And then Sophie, which is like very Miyazaki, it is, yeah. And then Sophie kind of looks down at her hands and looks in the mirror and realizes realizes that she's an old woman. I loved this part in the movie so much. It, yeah, it's played so uh, kind of downplayed more than you'd expect. She doesn't freak out. She's just no. like, oh my. And then she like tries to walk away, and then she goes back. She's like, oh my, oh my. <laughs> and she's like, I'm. I must stay calm. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I, I love the way it was done in the movie. It was yeah. great. Mm -hmm. uh, but is essentially, it's kind of unclear. It, I think in both versions, she just leaves. She's like, I can't stay because I'm old now and no yeah. one will like recognize me or something. Uh, but then she just leaves town and is kind of like wandering, wandering into the waste. Yeah. I don't know if she's looking for the witch. 
Yeah. Like maybe to be like, finish me off, bitch. Like, (laughs) 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 or if she's looking for Hal or another wizard who might be able to help her, it's not super clear. No, we're not really told. She just takes off. Honestly, I think that Sophie just used being old and as an excuse to not work at the hat shop anymore. Well, yeah. And in the book, (laughs) she kind of, there was a, someone said it to her, I think her sister, about she has to find her fortune. Yeah. And so she kind of talks about that, like this is maybe her chance to find her fortune. Yeah. Since she's almost dead now. <laughs> she's like, no time like the present. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so she's wandering and she finds a scarecrow mm-hmm. in the bushes that she helps. She pulls him out. Yeah. And it ends up being a magical scarecrow. Yeah. And it's... And she calls it Turnip Head. Yeah. <laughs> In the movie, it's very friendly to her and uh, helps her along her travels, basically. It's so sweet in the movie. It's very sweet. In the book, it's like very creepy. Yeah. And Sophie is terrified of it for some reason, even though she helped it. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's a part later where she thinks it's like attacking her. Yeah. And then after that, she's just like super creeped out by it. So I was like very sad about that in the book. I know. I'm like, I miss the... The scarecrow that like holds the umbrella for her and you know wants to just like help and be. In the movie, he's so sweet. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So she eventually finds Howl's moving castle. Yes. uh, And just fucking gets inside of it. Yeah, and it's just in the book. It's supposed to just be this giant castle that's like hovering. Yeah, but even like that isn't described. It's not. It's just literally moving. It's a castle. And it's moving, and that's, like, all the description we get. Yeah. So, in terms of how, like, I didn't even know how, I, I, I pictured it like the Miyazaki movie somewhat. Yeah. Um, but, like, legs aren't described. It's not even described that there's a gap underneath it or anything. So yeah, yeah. Very ambiguous about how it goes about mm-hmm. its day. How it moves. How <laughs> it goes about <laughs> In the Miyazaki movie, it's almost like a living creature. Yeah. Um, it has a face and a mouth, and it kind of uh, is sort of the living, or the outside embodiment of Calcifer, which is the fire demon that powers it. Mm-hmm. But it, it definitely, like, it has the legs. It's very machinery-like, yeah. but also kind of uh, like a creature as well. The design is just so, so, so cool. It is. And I mean, this goes to like the design of everything in the Miyazaki films, like all the character designs. I love Calcifer. Yes. He's very simple in his design, but they do a lot of fun things with him. Yeah. Uh, Michael is adorable in it. Hal is cool with like his jacket draped over his shoulders. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Just the, all the character designs as always are just like really, really unique and interesting. Mm-hmm. So... I love it. Yes. Uh, Sophie gets in the castle and is just basically like, I just need to get into a a warm room and immediately encounters Calcifer in the fire. Um, And he is kind of, he looks like he's just a normal fire, but he also has like a voice and a face and Mm -hmm. talks to Sophie and is basically like, hey, I'm a fire demon and I am in some kind of curse contract with Howl. And if you can break that, I'll help you with your curse because I can tell you're under a curse as well. Yeah. So she's immediately already making deals with demons. <laughs> yeah. Like two, like two minutes into her adventure, she's like, sure, I'll make a deal with you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but so she essentially uh, 
says she's going to be like the cleaning lady there. Yeah. Because that's like she needs a reason to be there or to say that she's there. Uh, so she decides to be the cleaning lady since it's filthy there. Mm-hmm. And we, we meet Michael. Yes. Or that's the book version. His name is Michael. Yeah. For some reason in the movie, his name is Markle. Markle. Which sounds a lot like Michael, but <laughs> is not Michael. It took us like hearing it like five or six times before we're like, I don't think they're saying Michael. Yeah. It's so weird. Like, why would they change that? I don't know. All the other names are the same. See, that almost sounds more like a French name mm. in my mind. So, like, maybe they're trying to, like, tie it more to, like, a time or place. Maybe. Even though I have no expertise on that at all. And I'm just <laughs> pulling that out of my ass. It just sounds more European. It does. Uh, sure. <laughs> uh, in yeah. the book, Michael is about 15 years old. He is Hal's apprentice training to be a wizard. So he does, like, small magic spells for Hal and things like that that um and you know kind of is suspicious of sophie at first but kind of just accepts her because she refuses to leave basically yeah (laughs) in the book he's this adorable like eight to ten year old child it's Uh, hard to tell but he's so small he's so cute and small he is so cute and at first he's really funny at first but then like just as it goes he grows like this affection towards sophie and it's so so cute it's so cute it breaks my heart (laughs) (laughs) he just loves sophie i know she like kind of takes care of him sort of adopts him because um i think and i think they did that to make it a little more sweet and heartwarming instead of just having this random like 15 year old kid like in the house i think having like a little kid was a a lot more yeah interesting in terms of the dynamic that sophie could have with him Mm -hmm. but um he it's funny whenever he goes to like give people spells or something he puts on this cloak and (laughs) conjures himself like this beard and pretends to be this old man (laughs) yeah it's like based on a thing in the book a similar thing where it's like a disguise that makes him look like uh, a red bearded man yeah but that sounds more like it's a convincing disguise yeah whereas in the ghibli movie it's just like this cloak with a beard on this like tiny little boy so I it's know. like super funny <laughs> uh but yeah uh so then uh let's talk about the castle too in terms of the different doors oh yeah so the castle has an entrance one main entrance and with a dial beside it so it opens up not only to the outside of the moving castle, but it opens up to two different storefronts. Yeah. In two different areas, one in Kingsbury. Yes. And one in Port Town? Port Haven. Port Haven. <laughs> Kingsbury uh, is the capital city where the king lives, and then Port Haven is just a seaside coastal yeah. town. So Hal is basically able to run two different shops in two totally different locations by having this storefront. And, and he has two different names as well. Yeah, he goes by, yeah, he has, like, different aliases. Mm-hmm. So uh, this is kind of, like, one of the main magical functions And I of love the this castle. door. It's yeah. so cool. It's very weird, though, because in the book, he talks about that the actual location, the interior yeah. that Sophie enters when she goes into the moving castle is actually in Port Haven. Yeah. Like, that's his actual house that they live in. Yeah. But then I'm like, why? How could she get in when she was up in like the waist? Well, yeah. And also why even have a moving castle? Yeah. <laughs> what What is its yeah. primary function? Like I saw the movie first and you assume like 
oh, the moving castle is the hub. Yeah. And it is in the movie. Mm-hmm. And it makes sense like, oh, maybe. And there's like portals to other places. Yeah. So it may, it makes sense more that like that is like the hub or like the central area. Yeah. So it's weird to make the Port Haven one the house. Yeah. I guess like the castle is kind of just like an illusion completely. I guess. But Sophie was still able to get in the door. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. It just, it's just like what 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 function does the castle serve at all? I don't know. It's not very clear. It's just ominous in yeah. the distance. It's a representation of Hal's uh, unwillingness to settle down in any one location. <laughs> it's a metaphor. It is. Yes. <laughs> a big moving metaphor. It is. Yeah. Uh, that's the castle. Mm-hmm. Should we talk about? The Ghibli cooking and cleaning. Aesthetic. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I could watch just a montage of Studio Ghibli food. Oh, my God. It's so good. How many eggs and how much bacon could fit in that one pan? I don't know, but they made it work and it looked delicious. He just kept cracking eggs in that pan and he's like, give me 20 dozen eggs. (laughs) He just kept going. (laughs) Sophie starts to cook breakfast and then Hal comes back and takes over and basically is like, who are you? And she's like, I'm your cleaning lady and I'm never going to leave. But it's this amazing (laughs) scene. And the scenes pretty much play out exactly the same in the book Mm -hmm. and in the movie with this breakfast confrontation. Um, But God, the aesthetic, Mm. the visual is so beautiful. And even just like the pan and the fire and... The, the like, subtle movements the of The cluttered him. castle and... Yeah, even the clutter is like... I don't know. It's so effective in like how cluttered it looks. Yeah. It looks actually like... I, I don't know. It's hard to explain, but just the, the, the care and attention to all of the details mm-hmm. and just the way you can almost smell the food cooking is yes. just unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's kind of become a Ghibli trope. Yeah. Along with cleaning... Which we get a montage of next. Yes. Which is why like, and both of these scenes play out very similarly in the book and movie. Mm-hmm. And you're like, was this book written to be a Ghibli adaptation? Because <laughs> these parts are just so perfect for this movie. Yes. And like you said, there is heavily, like heavy references to cooking and cleaning in a lot of Ghibli movies. Yeah. And I love it because it is the simpleness of life, you know? Yeah, it's yeah. It's the simple beauties and the simple pleasures and the daily tasks that make our lives meaningful and make our lives joyful. And there, there's such appreciation for that mm-hmm. in this animation. And it's just amazing. But Sophie basically just attacks the castle and is like, <laughs> I'm going to make you clean if it's the last thing I do. And Michael and Calcifer are both just like, she's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and they're just super upset that she's like just throwing everything out of order and yeah. sweeping. And mm-hmm. uh, and it's so funny because Hal is just like, like obviously he didn't hire a cleaning woman. Yeah. And she says Calcifer hired her, but like obviously Calcifer is just like, is stuck in the the castle. <laughs> yeah. Like, did he send her a smoke signal? Like, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. It's but Hal is just like, okay, sure. Yeah. And so, uh, and his only requirement is she doesn't kill any of the spiders. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so she's going about cleaning, and like the bathroom that she has to clean is so funny and yeah, absurd. And there's uh, this really cute scene too, where th- at this point in the movie, Markle 
is warming up to her and they and then turnip head the scarecrow also kind of comes back oh, and yeah. starts hanging out with them and they like hang the laundry up in the castle oh, and yeah. the castle stops near this lake and then they bring like a table out there and they eat their lunch mm-hmm. sophie and mark will just eat their lunch out there near the lake and then sophie's just sitting out it's it's beautiful. Something that I, oh. <laughs> I know. Oh. Something that I think is so effective about this movie is I love the arc of Sophie. Yeah. And I really love how when she becomes an older woman, she's almost like liberated. She is. She's like, free. Yeah. She like doesn't care anymore in yeah. a lot of ways and like doesn't mind like being goofy, kind of giving people being shit, rude. being yeah. rude. And it's funny because she does feel like a very, like a totally different person. Yeah. But. I love that about it, you mm-hmm. know, that this curse has kind of, like, given her a freedom that she didn't have before, even though it took away her youth. Yeah. Like, she almost has more of it now, mm-hmm. like, in her crazy cleaning and yeah. kind of, like, giving people sass. And-, and I think it's a commentary, too, on, like, not just um, aging, but, like, that idea that, you know, maybe as you get older, you know, you realize just how much you don't care about stupid stuff like yeah. social um i'm trying to think of the word like social pressure things like that yeah. and you're kind of more about like living your own life and also there's this idea that when you're old you kind of don't matter anymore yeah and um i think sophie kind of embraces that and it's just sort of like i don't have to care like care about any of this anymore mm-hmm. and i don't feel the need to be beautiful either yeah which is really like more pronounced in the movie, I think when she kind of feels insecure about that. So when she's old, it's almost like she doesn't need to care about that anymore. Yeah. She has that old lady liberation of just not giving a fuck anymore. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Can we talk about slimy, sad, mopey howl? Yes. Because this is my favorite part. In the whole movie. <laughs> in the whole movie. In the whole movie. It's what just about the book. The comedic element is so um It's tough because I like the movie scene better just because the comedy's played better, yeah. like actually visualized. Uh so it's hard to say because I was just like, ah, I like the movie better in this part. But yeah. essentially when Sophie was cleaning, she fucked with Howell's uh cosmetics in the bathroom mm-hmm. and it accidentally turns his hair red. Yes. And Hal is a super vain, like, (laughs) really kind of self-absorbed type of person. Mm -hmm. So when he's like, he just he he just freaks out about it, about his hair being like tinged red. Uh And he's just like, what's the point of being alive if I can't be beautiful? (laughs) And so like he starts summoning like evil spirits in his like angsty depression. Mm hmm. And Michael is like, I've seen this once before when he got dumped. (laughs) (laughs) But we also get a great reply from Sophie. Yeah. In the movie where she's like, "Um, why are you throwing a tantrum? Basically, like, I've never been beautiful like a day in my life. And it's really sad because it just reveals her insecurity about that and how she's always felt like since she's never been beautiful, she's never like been that important. And so it kind of lashes out at Hal being like, how can you pretend that this is like a big deal, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, But she eventually comes back. And when she does, she touches Hal on the shoulder when he and then he begins to ooze green slime in his 
pure angstiness. Yeah. (laughs) I love in the movie, he's like slumped forward in the chair, like resting (laughs) his head like on the fireplace and is like melting into the fire. There's just a pool of slime and coming Calcifer's from him. And Calcifer's like, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> <laughs> and Sophie and Markle have to like get him into the bathroom. And there's this really funny part too where Sophie is like carrying him up the steps in the movie and his bath towel that's around his waist like falls off. And Sophie like, <laughs> purposely like looks away She's like, <laughs> <laughs> but like as she carries him up the steps you can see like Hal's butt yeah <laughs> like a slimy butt we get a slimy butt shot <laughs> he's just a, a slimy slippery naked man <laughs> yeah uh so they they kind of take care of him and calm him down a little bit mm-hmm. should we just talk more about Hal's personality in general yes because in the movie he's a little inconsistent because even though this scene is accurate to him in the book, it's really the only scene where we really see how vain he is. And dramatic. And dramatic and childlike. Yeah. And it's kind of a really about face from like the calm, cool, collected, like sexy, sexy man. He is like <laughs> the rest of the movie. Yeah. All before and all after this one scene. Yeah. But the book is a little more consistent with him in mm-hmm. my mind. Yeah. He is kind of constantly uh like he spends a ton of time in the bathroom every day (laughs) like he's obsessed with his looks and uh is kind of self-absorbed is always like going off to woo women he's much more of a womanizer in the book than in the movie in the movie they kind of reference that he's broken a few hearts but in the book they're like yeah, he pursues women until they like him and then he abandons them. Like, because <laughs> then he's bored. Yeah, and is just kind of this, like, doesn't like to do any work, literally doesn't want to be tied down ever. Castle, moving castle metaphor yeah, for that. Yeah. And um, just is a lot more, like you said, childish mm-hmm. and selfish in many ways. And yeah. he and Sophie butt heads a lot. And Sophie is, like, always irritated with him. (laughs) Yeah. I wish the movie took a little more risks with making him, like, less likable in ways, but just, like, more interesting in that aspect. Mm Because, yeah, he's, like, suave and, like, handsome and, like, charming and everything in the movie, which we we also like. Yeah. But I think it could have used more of that behind the the curtain he's really just a really insecure person yeah yeah (laughs) uh speaking of him trying to uh uh get out of things Mm -hmm. the next thing he does is he asks sophie to go to the king for him because in the book he's trying to be the king's trying to recruit him to be the court sorcerer yeah and because his went to the waste and possibly was killed by the witch of the waste and then in the movie, because there's this war going on, he is being recruited because all wizards are being recruited for the war efforts. Yeah. And he's like, um, can I not do that? Sophie, <laughs> can you go instead and pretend to be my mom and just tell the king that I suck so that he won't want me? Yeah, that's all it'll take is just the mom explaining <laughs> why the king shouldn't want him. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, no, I'm not doing that And in the book. And then eventually he kind of convinces her yeah. to, to go and to do it. But it's just like kind of ridiculous. And another aspect of him being like 
kind of selfish and cowardly yeah, in many yeah. ways. <laughs> so Sophie goes to the the palace. The book plays out. I, I don't know. She goes and talks to the king and she's not able to convince him. Yeah. He still thinks he wants Hal as the sorcerer. And that's about it. Mm-hmm. Like that's, it's not much of a scene. She runs into the Witch of the Waste, but everything's fine. So she she <laughs> kills cool. another lady, not Sophie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's cool. Yeah. Uh, in the movie, though, we get this scene where they run into each other approaching the castle. Yeah. Sophie and the Witch of the Waste. And there's this long, long flight of steps leading up to the palace. Yeah. That they both have to climb. And the Witch of the Waste, it's kind of unfortunate because she's depicted as kind of being ugly yeah and overweight uh-huh. and just like a lot of physical negative this was like the part when i rewatched it that i was like oh this is like my one quibble with yeah. this movie is that they kind of make her into a cro- a grotesque character yes where she's climbing these steps and it's hot and it's like very a very long flight of steps and she can't use her magic to get up there and she's sweating and like she's kind of portrayed as being very overweight and that's like very focused on and she's yeah. like really struggling to get up these steps. Sophie is also struggling to get up the steps, but she's struggling because she's carrying this dog <laughs> that she thinks is Howl. Yeah. Because Howl's going to be there in disguise. And she told her that he would follow her in disguise and she thinks it's the dog. <laughs> so she's lugging this mutt up all these steps. And also she's like 90. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but it, it it's I don't know. It's just unfortunate when they're like, oh, she's bad. And so we have to make her like fat and ugly. Yeah. To reflect her insides or something. But it's like, you don't have it's to add necessary. like a body shaming element to it. No. Uh, that being said, though, this scene is still like very funny. It is. Just between both of them slowly trudging up the steps and Sophie carrying this dog. <laughs> and then she gets up to the top and she has to like encourage and kind of like root on the Witch of the Waste. Yeah. To like keep going. Yeah. Because she kind of feels bad for her. Which is so funny because it feels like Sophie's already forgotten about her putting the curse on her. I know. She's just like, whatever. <laughs> this is like another classic Ghibli thing. Yeah. Where the villain is kind of revealed to be more complicated or not the villain. Yeah. Really? There's yeah. almost like a lack of villain, mm-hmm. which I think is predominant in a lot of Ghibli movies. Yeah. It happens a lot, but this is also a big divergence from the book. Yeah. Cause in the book, the witch of the waste remains the villain throughout the whole predominantly book. throughout the entire book. Mm-hmm. Whereas here we kind of get a switching of quote unquote villains to an extent. Yeah. Yeah. Still yeah. in the movie version here, they finally get to the top of the steps and then Sophie is kind of led away to meet with um, the Madame Solomon, who is the king's wizard, mm-hmm. witch. And uh, while Sophie is going to talk with Madame Solomon, the Witch of the Waste like is in this room, and then a bunch of electricity comes on, and they basically like sap all her power away. Yeah, and it, it's revealed later, and she's just kind of like a husk of who she was. Yeah is just much, much older looking and just completely. Yeah. No more magic. Yeah. No, no, no more magic. And just like an old lady now, Mm -hmm. essentially. But during this scene, it's revealed that Hal made a deal with a uh, fire demon and lost his heart. Yeah. 
and that is obviously Calcifer. Mm-hmm. So, and that this is kind of like ruining Howl. He's becoming like a, more of a selfish person. Yeah. He's not doing things for the good of others. But here's the thing, though, is like we're told this in the movie. We see it more in the book, I think. Yeah. We're told this in the movie, but like she just wants to recruit him for like a pointless war. And I it's know. Like, you can't blame him for yeah, like getting out of that shit. Don't like act like you have the high road. No. When you're just like, yeah, join the war. Like, because <laughs> at one point, Hal's attacked by monsters and he's yeah. like, oh, those were the wizards who like joined the the war. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And they turned into like monsters so they could fight. And now they don't remember that they used to be human. Yeah. I'm like, damn, that's that's some <laughs> heavy shit. Like, and Hal is turning into a bird monster also to, like, stop war things from happening. It's unclear. But is he st- like, yeah, they're like, oh, he's avoiding obligation. But it's kind of like he's being involved. But also, yeah. is he? I don't know. They escape from Madame Solomon because she tries to, like, trap Hal. Hal comes to Sophie's rescue mm-hmm. and then... Madame Solomon tries to trap Hal, and then they both escape, and with, things are fine. With the Witch of the Waste. And the dog. And the dog. <laughs> so now we have two more uh, quirky side characters in this story. <laughs> yeah. Uh, side trip, though, we need to talk about this big plot point in the book that mm-hmm. is not in the movie at all, and is kind of crazy. Yeah. Which is where Hal is from. <laughs> yeah, so... There is also, like the movie, a, a, a one of the door colors yeah. in, in the castle that it's black that seems to just be a void. And it is revealed, they travel through it, and it doesn't go into like a creepy, weird, dark void. No. It goes into Wales. Yeah. Uh, the in, modern world. In the world. Yeah. Like in the modern world, in modern times with cars yeah. and video games and rugby and Hal is just like a burnout uncle yes. who I guess just discovered magic and like left. Yeah. But he still comes back. Yeah. And his whole family thinks that he's like lazy and doesn't do anything and they don't know about him going to other worlds. Yeah. So Hal, the magical wizard in this story and one of the heroes of this story is like a burnout from the modern day. Yeah. From Wales. Yeah. Who gets drunk at his rugby reunions. Yeah, and his sister is like, you're a disgrace to this family. I don't want my children to, like, look up to you. And Hal's like, I don't care. (laughs) And he takes Sophie and and Michael there. And Sophie just, like, doesn't understand what's happening in the world. And she's describing, like, cars and technology, and she doesn't, like, understand anything. But it's just, like, so weird and out of nowhere. And I feel like... It just adds this really weird element to the book that I'm not sure really fits in with the larger story and like what's happening. Like, what does it add to Hal's character? Really? Yeah, it's just it's this weird tie in with the real world. But like there's no other real characters from that world. No. And there's no like there's no like magical like Harry Potter connection, like because it doesn't start in the real world. And then it's like, oh, there's a world of magic. Yeah. It's like, um. Oh, it, like it starts off like in Narnia, essentially. And then it's like, oh, by the way, you could be in Wales right now. And it's like, oh, yeah, I mean, I don't want to. So okay. let's not. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So kind of an odd. And apparently he was like a professor or like a college 
person working on their doctorate studying magic or something. Yeah. And that's how he became a wizard? We don't know. We're not sure. It's not explained. (laughs) But yeah. So after this point in both stories, there's just kind of a lot of information that's thrown at you in the book. Mm -hmm. So we're going to try to like kind of summarize some of it. It's a lot of plot points that don't really go in a lot of places. So we just want to mention them briefly. Um, One of them is that Hal and the Witch of the Waste in the book have these series of confrontations where they just have these like epic battles in the sky and stuff. And it doesn't really mean anything. It's just furthering the idea that Hal and the witch are kind of against each other. And she has placed a curse on him. Yeah. It's in the form of a poem written by John Donne. And it was like from Wales and it like came to this world. And it's like, yeah, I don't know. It's a curse. Yeah. And it's like, how does this, it was very confusing the way it was presented. Yeah. But essentially it's like a step-by-step thing that is coming true slowly. Yeah. So it's kind of this like approaching, uh, looming doom. threat doom. Yeah. And the witch like wants his heart or something. Yes. Uh, there is a, a dog man. Yes. <laughs> there is a, a, a dog that shows up. Sophie actually saved it around the same time she met the, um, the scarecrow. scarecrow originally. And then it turns out to be a, 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 a dog that is, well, I guess a man that is a dog. <laughs> He's not like a dog that becomes a man. And <laughs> He was once a man. <laughs> yes. And then he's turned into a dog. And then he is hanging out with Sophie. And they, like, try to change him back into a human. But they, And then they eventually do change him back into a human. But he's a very confused human. Yes. And he's like... And someone makes the comment that, like, I think he's parts of a couple different people. And I'm like... like what is what what does that mean this person yeah uh and uh yeah it's just it's just very odd also they always described him as the dog man yeah so i could never tell if he was in dog form or human form yeah like the dog man ran outside and like ran around in circles i'm like is he a man or is he a dog (laughs) right now and i'm not sure it matters yeah uh what else uh oh michael and Martha? Yeah. Michael is in love with Sophie's sister, Martha, even though he thinks her name is Letty because they switched mm-hmm. and she works in the bakery. And that's pretty much all there is to say about that. And then Sophie's sister, Letty, who is now learning how to be a witch from this older woman, has been courted by Hal this whole time. Like Hal's been trying to like win her heart. Yes. And Sophie's pissed about this because she's like, I know what he does. As soon as Letty falls in love with him, he's going to like abandon her and then she's going to be upset and she's my sister. Um, So like that's happening too on the side. But it's okay because at the end, Letty ends up with the dog man. Yeah. Which I was like, I was so confused about at first. I know. Like, because apparently they knew each other. I, oh my God. I don't know. And then the dog man ends up telling Sophie like, I knew Letty, even though she didn't know me. And then I told the Witch of the Waste, because she put me under spell, that you were Letty, which is why she put the curse on you to be an old woman, because she thought you were Letty. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, I don't understand what's happening at all. The biggest relief in my life is when (laughs) you told me that you were also confused by this book. Yeah. Because I was reading it slash listening to it. 
and was just progressively getting more confused. And part of me thought, like, oh, is this because I'm listening to parts of it and I'm, it's harder to follow or anything? But I just felt so dumb for not being oh, able to, for not being able to follow this like young adult like novel. And then when you just told me that it was also confusing, I'm like, oh, thank God. <laughs> yeah, and I've read this book before. Yeah, and I remember kind of the end being like a blur. <laughs> and it was the same way like I feel like this book starts out really strong and I like it a lot in the beginning but then the last half things get really confusing and even the scene where Sophie goes to visit the king is kind of disorienting and you're like what's happening what is she doing what's the point of this um and you kind of just get lost really quickly very quickly like conversations and what characters are actually intending to do and saying and meaning. And it's just all over the place. It's very, very confusing. It is. Uh, Okay. I think that was all the rapid little things we wanted to get out in the book. Because there's just a lot that happens. There is. So yeah, (laughs) let's get back to uh, the next major part is when they move the castle, quote unquote. Yeah. And in the movie, they move it because... Uh, Madame Solomon and the king are after Hal now that he's mm-hmm. like refused to be in their war and he is like actively opposed it. In the book, they move it because the Witch of the Waste is after them and Hal is trying to like avoid this curse that she has on him. Yeah. So he does a, a magic spell in the moving castle and essentially changes the doors. The portal doors. The portal doors. Um the the logic behind this is a little like confusing mm-hmm. like in the book because the actual house was in port haven yeah like i think they actually changed where they were to the hat shop yeah um and in the uh <laughs> sorry in the movie i think it's that he just changed the doors yeah. and then also just made the, the moving castle, castle bigger. bigger. Yeah. <laughs> like he's like, we have the witch of the waste living here. Now we have this dog. We need like extra <laughs> space. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's kind of this whole magic spell mm-hmm. kind of cool scene, especially in the movie, watching him do that. It is. It's visually really interesting. And in the book, it's very specific that we are being moved to the shop that Sophie used to work in, the hat shop. Mm-hmm. And so Hal was like, I bought this hat shop in this village. And Sophie's like, oh, that's my hat shop, but I can't say anything about it because I can't talk about how I'm under a curse, this whole thing. Um, and in the movie, we just kind of like slowly realize that we're in the hat shop again. <laughs> and it's like very disorienting because we're like, oh, this is the hat shop, I guess. Is this supposed to be the hat shop? Is it just looking like a hat shop? Like, where are we? Yeah, it is not said in any capacity as far as I could tell. Yeah. Or like any big visual cues about it or anything. Mm-hmm. Very, a very disorienting way yeah. of doing it. Uh, There's also a weird thing. So the Witch of the Waste is with them now. Yeah. And she goes back and forth between... Acting like she's senile. Yeah, with like dementia and then acting completely lucid. Yeah. And I just thought I was just very thrown off by this. I don't know. Also, is she like still evil? Like some of her actions seemed like they might be evil Mm -hmm. motivated, but it's hard to tell. I don't know. Yeah. It's not explained. I mean, there, there are some explanations that we could assume like that she's, you know, still kind of being removed from her magics and maybe that's like 
kind of disorienting for her and yeah. confusing and makes her mind confused. Um, but it is not. It's not really explicitly stated. It just goes from one extreme where she sees Hal and she's like, what a handsome young man. Like, she's just totally like out of it. And then another scene where she's like smoking a cigar and she's like hitting on him. And she's like, we have to have a discussion later. Yeah. And yeah, just. It's weird. An odd back and forth. Mm -hmm. Uh, And one more thing in the book, I kind of like how. You know, they're, they start selling flowers out of that shop yeah. to make money. Mm-hmm. And Sophie just kind of has this realization that she's back to where she started, basically. Yeah. Like selling, <laughs> not hats, but flowers, yeah. but out of this same shop and mm-hmm. is just like taking care of everyone. Yeah. And I, I kind of liked that roundabout, like returning to the beginning, but like, yeah, has she changed? Like what's going on exactly? Yeah, so. yeah, exactly. There's this really cute scene in the movie though, where Hal takes Sophie on this walk through the the flower meadow. Oh yeah, it's so cute. It is, and it's also it shows us because Sophie in this scene changes from an old woman to mm. a young girl again. So it shows us that she has control over this spell. Yeah, that even though she hasn't like completely broken it, she can kind of like overpower it if she wants to yeah and because she's so happy and excited in this scene and she feels like so much joy being in this beautiful flower meadow with with Hal and then you see this moment of insecurity where she again starts talking about how she's not beautiful and she just instantly transforms back into an Mm. old woman like it's her safety net you know and it, it gives her a sense of like not needing to worry about that anymore. Mm-hmm. Which I, I just love as a character thing. Like on one hand, that's the thing that like liberated her, but it's also kind of her biggest hang up. Her safety. Yeah. Her yeah. safety blanket. Cause she has a great line where she says like the thing about being old is that like, you don't have to like worry. Yeah. Or like be invested. There's nothing in to things. lose. There's nothing to lose. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's a really sad, but really like effective line. And I think character moment for her. Yeah. I liked it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, There's this huge, huge plot line of the war in the movie that is not present in the book at all. No. And like we said, um, in the book, the main antagonist is the Witch of the Waste, and that's pretty much throughout the whole book. But then in in the movie, and like we talked about with Studio Ghibli films, you know, there aren't really these traditional villains in them. Yeah. And so I would say that the villain of this story is actually war. Mm-hmm. Um, a little bit of background on this. I was reading about how Miyazaki was really opposed to the Iraq war hmm. and was really upset when that was going on. And when he was given the um, best animated picture award for Spirited Away, he actually said something in his speech that was basically like, I kind of don't want to accept this because you're like at war with wow. this like country and I don't agree with it at all. Um, and he has re- like, ap- according to things that I've read, he was basically like, I want to make a movie that is like so anti-war that like Americans won't be able to watch it. Huh? <laughs> Interesting. I mean, I don't think it was that extreme, but he was basically like, I want to make a movie that is going to be like really anti-war and won't go over well in America. And then it, it did. People liked it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But yeah. yeah, like having the Iraq war kind of be an inspiration for this, which is interesting. It is. But unfortunately, I think the war is just so simplified. It is. In it this is story. overly simplified. It's just like 
War. war. War's bad. War. What is it good for? <laughs> Nothing. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> and uh, I, I'm not saying like, oh, the war in Iraq was like good or justified by any means. No. But like people have excuses and there's ways that like people fall in line to war yeah. and like go along with it that are complicated. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's just. Like it's it's a plot device, yeah. But I don't think it's really much of a co- effective commentary on war. No, and I mean this is common in Miyazaki films as well. Is yeah. this anti-war pacifist theme, and that's yeah. something that's very important to him. Um, you know, we watched Nausicaa, yes. Valley of the Wind. That's very anti-war. Um, but at least in that one, you saw both sides. And yeah, you, and you understood what each side wanted. It was more nuanced in that. Yeah, and then. Um, What's the other movie? The Wolf. Mononoke? Yes, Princess Princess Mononoke. Yes, that one is also like a more nuanced commentary on war. So I think he, the problem with this story is that it wasn't really built into the story. And so it does feel very like added and kind of like, oh, like this is bad. This is bad. This is bad. And I think the movie does suffer a little bit with its focus on war yeah. on the in the, towards the end. Because Hal's just birding around and like <laughs> birding, yeah, turning into a bird man. Yeah, is that because he doesn't have his heart anymore? I don't know. It's, it's not explained. It, it's like he's a monster, so that makes me think it's because he doesn't have a heart. But it could also just be a magical thing. But like, yeah. why can he not not be a bird man? Yeah, why are we all anti bird in this? in this world why can't he just be a bird anti-war (laughs) anti-bird it's on a poster (laughs) and the war and birds no no war no bird (laughs) have you seen this bird (laughs) yeah so not uh not super nuanced and also what is hal doing most of the time we don't know we don't. He's just flying around as a bird and like attacking ships. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, aren't you like participating in the war then? Like, yeah. what are you? Also, we don't like- even know. I guess they're like the ships of Madame Solomon and the king, right? We don't know if it's if it's his own kingdom ships or if it's ships from another kingdom. It's not clear. Because we're not going to get into it at the moment, but, like, at one point, like, the town is being attacked by airships. Yeah. And you're like, whose ships are they? Yeah. It's not, no explanation. No. Um, But let's maybe discuss now the book ending. Yeah. The book from now till the end. Yeah, the two endings of the book and the movie are kind of different, so we're going to discuss them separately. Yeah, from this point. Yeah. So in the book, what exactly is the inciting well, incident? Well, all the people show up. Every <laughs> character that this book has ever had very shows up right about now. <laughs> uh, Sophie's sisters show up. Uh, Michael's there. Letty's uh, witch mentor is there. Sophie's stepmom comes. And then, of course, there's the dog man already there. The turnip head scarecrow guy mm-hmm. is there. And, and the tin man. How- and the sca- <laughs> uh, yeah. And then Hal also. Is there. Yeah. And then also a teacher lady from Wales. Yeah. That we were introduced to. Yeah. Who <laughs> we didn't talk about her yet, but she is kind of important. 
She shows up. Miss Angorian. Angorian. I always who, forget her name. It seems like Hal like wants to like bang her, and mm-hmm. Sophie's kind of like pissy about this because she hasn't realized that she's in love with him yet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then all these people are around, and things are happening, and then all of a sudden, like. I don't even what the the witch shows up and Hal chases her off. Yeah. And then the scarecrow shows up. And then for some reason, Miss Angorian was outside. And then yeah. they think that she she I guess she just disappeared. Yeah. And so the idea is the witch of the waste kidnapped her. Well, And then a voice announces that she has I'm the witch of the waste. I have Miss Angorian. If you ever want to see her again, like Hal, you need to, like, confront me, yeah. basically. And then Sophie's like, fuck this shit. She puts on some magic boots, and she just, like, speed walks. <laughs> she power walks like an old lady in the mall, but, like, 20 times faster. Yeah, to the Witch of the Wastes <laughs> castle. And she's like, I'm going to save Miss Angorian, and I'm going to be the hero. And then is immediately, like, stickied to a wall. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like flypaper. She yeah. just gets stuck to the wall. Yeah. And then the scarecrow shows up and then beats the shit out of the witch. And and Hal shows up. And then there's this whole... It's it's realized earlier that the Witch of the Waste has also made a deal... With a fire with demon. With a fire demon, because I guess that's common. Yeah. Uh, But then they're like, oh, the fire demon isn't here because they're not working together anymore. Yeah. And then they're like, Miss Angorian isn't here because she's the fire demon. What in the heck? What the fuck? How can the fire demon be a person? That has not even been established as I, like in the realm of possibility. Yes. So I wanted to talk to talk about something briefly. And there's a really good video essay series. I want, I'll post the videos on her Patreon um, where it talks about. And this is a new concept to me, but it's interesting about hard and soft magic systems yes. in stories. And it's about how much logic and understanding is there about the magic in your story. Yeah. And so an example of soft magic systems would be Lord of the Rings mm-hmm. um, or a lot of Neil Gaiman stories. Yeah. Where there's, there's only like vague understanding about people being powerful. And like what they can do. Yes. What their abilities are. Yeah. And a lot of times it's very convenient about what they can or can't do. Mm-hmm. But it's more kind of a a metaphor or like kind of adding to like the mystique or mystery of the world. Yeah. Uh, a hard magic system a good example is Avatar The Last Airbender. Yeah. Where you, you have a pretty good understanding of what's possible, what isn't. Mm-hmm. You're not, like, very often surprised by something happening. Yeah. Um. So this is... This or is, even, like, Harry Potter in the way that you understand that, like, spells and wands and, like, that, yeah. that is, like, those are the rules. Mm-hmm. Um, this is about as soft as a magic system as you can have. This is like Play-Doh soft. Yeah. Because not only is it not defined very specifically, but the things that are established are then like contradicted. Yeah. And this is the best example. Yeah. Where Calcifer is the fire demon. And he's our only example of a a fire demon. Yeah. And he's a literal fire Mm -hmm. that is like in the hearth of uh, Howl's castle. Yeah. Uh, and he's, like, bound to that. Yeah, and he powers the castle. And now, in this instance, we find out that this human-looking woman 
was the Witch of the Wastes fire demon. And she can like travel through different dimensions because she was in Wales at one point. Yeah. And she doesn't need to be with her person, which is the Witch of the Waste. Yeah. And they have different plans and different motives. It's just like, I don't know. It's very, it was very weird because like, I feel like they didn't give you a chance to even guess because it was so out of the realm of possibility of anything you could imagine. Yeah. Like when you're reading it, you're like, oh, maybe Miss Angorian isn't like what she seems. Mm-hmm. Um, But you would never, ever consider her to be the fire, like one of the fire demons, because like we just don't know that they can do that. And so we would never even like think about it. Yeah. So So it feels a little bit like a cheat. It it, it absolutely (laughs) is, because like I'm fine with like a like a soft magic system, quote unquote. Yeah. But you still have to like stick to the few rules that you establish. You know what I mean? Or at yeah. least kind of explain it or try to get away with it. But I, I, I don't know. Like I said, I'll post those videos because they're super interesting. If you like fantasy stories like this. Yeah. It just gives you a lot to think about and consider with this kind of stuff. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so they get back and. Oh, wait, we didn't talk about how the witch was creating a Frankenstein perfect <laughs> man. <laughs> how could we forget? So she had like cut up pieces of. Prince Justin and Wizard Solomon, which are the two people that are missing in this story. And then she was just waiting for Hal to come so she she could take his head and attach it to the rest of that. And then she would have her perfect man and he would be king and she would marry him. Because that's a plan. That's one way to have (laughs) to find your perfect match, I guess, just to create one. But then you find out that like the dog man is just like the extra parts of like this man that she hasn't assembled yet but yeah but he was also mostly solomon right the, I the don't wizard no I, I don't either i don't know and also you found out the scarecrow was solomon the wizard's like essence magic yeah because the the scarecrow was trying to gather the extra parts yeah and at one point it puts a skull inside of its turnip head and is talking and it's like horrifying yeah uh, uh, there, uh, it's there's wild. just so much. It's wild. We also, and this is a very actually significant part. We just, we find out, and we've kind of known this at this point. Sophie herself has magical abilities. Yeah. She's essentially a witch because mm-hmm. she can like speak life into things. And we get hints of this very early on with Sophie in the hat shop because she talks to her hats when she makes yeah. them and she says things to them like, oh, you're young and cheerful and like youthful or you will marry money and like all this stuff. And then it keeps happening. And so you're like, oh, like she, she's magic. (laughs) But Sophie doesn't realize it for a long time. And so she talks life into the scarecrow Mm -hmm. and gives it abilities. She also talks life into her walking stick and it helps her out with the witch. So um, she, yeah. And she's revealed to be very powerful. Yeah. So essentially uh, she gets her walking stick to beat up, Miss Sangorian. Yeah. And then Hal. Well, so then, oh my God. (laughs) Miss Sangorian took Calcifer out of the hearth. Yeah. And it like almost, it like kind of kills Hal almost. Yeah. And then while Angorian is being beat with this floating walking stick, uh, Sophie goes to Calcifer Mm -hmm. and Calcifer tells her like, my heart, which is like a physical thing attached to him. Is Hal's. Is Hal's heart. Mm -hmm. And 
he says, I think you can take it out of me and put it in him without killing me. Yeah. Because of your powers mm-hmm. that he could, apparently was aware of, like her ability to breathe life into things. Yeah. And this at least makes sense. It does. It's kind of an explanation for this ending that is why so- they would need Sophie to do this. Yeah. And why? Because it's similar in the movie, but we don't get any explanation about it. No. So. The idea is that she can only do this and that's why. Mm-hmm. So she does it. She takes the heart out. Calcifer's free. She just shoves it back in Howl. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, Miss Angorian dies. Yeah. Howl just kills her like immediately. He, yeah. Like, he like pulls her heart out. <laughs> <laughs> and then Sophie's curse is broken now. Yeah. Because she's, you know, happy and knows she loves Howl and yeah. everything. And, mm-hmm. and then all the pieces of the boys go back to where they belong (laughs) and prince justin is like okay and then wizard solomon is like i'm in love with letty (laughs) and letty's like do i know you yeah were you a dog before (laughs) was that you (laughs) were you maybe at one point a dog (laughs) and we're and like we're also supposed to leave believe that howl is like really truly in love with sophie because Someone said, like at the beginning of the book, that they would never believe Howell's in love unless he showed up somewhere without spending like two hours in the bathroom getting ready. Oh, yeah, that's true. And he does show up ragged. He showed he shows up like unshaven, looking gross to rescue Sophie when she's <laughs> with the Witch of the Waste. So it's it's proof of his love. That is that's that is also justified. Yeah. By the text. But mm-hmm. yeah, that's essentially the end of the book. Yeah. Yeah. Now let's get to the movie. Let's talk about the movie. War is still happening. War is going harder than ever. (laughs) And birds. More birds than you thought were necessary. (laughs) Howl is birding so much bigger and so harder than he's ever birded before. (laughs) Christian Bale, who does the voice, is like doing his like pre-Batman. Yeah. Like, I have to save you. Yeah, I guess this was pre-Batman. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe this is where he was inspired. He's like, I want to be a bird more, but maybe <laughs> maybe more of a mammal bird. <laughs> and like, yeah, flying, but social, but like justice. Social, yeah, justice. <laughs> <laughs> it is his pre-Batman voice for sure. Yeah. Um, For some reason, the town is being bombed. And we One, don't know why. Once again, yeah, because we don't know if it's Solomon trying to get at Howl. Yeah. Or just the, the enemy, enemy forces. But Howl r- flies off to take care of the ships and tells Sophie to get out of there. So they go yeah. back in the hat shop and they change it, the door, to be the castle. Yeah. And then in a move that is very confusing. And questionable. And questionable. I think Sophie believes that because they're still like quote unquote connected to the hat shop, yeah, that if it gets bombed, it'll destroy it'll destroy the castle. Yeah, but like, where is the evidence of that? We don't know. Also, there's not much of an explanation for it. She's just like, Calcifer, I have to take you out of the hearth, and he's yeah. like, what? And she's like, we have to break our connection with the hat shop. Yeah. <laughs> so she takes Calcifer out out of the castle. The castle kind of like collapses but then they go back in the castle and this is like a leaner castle (laughs) yeah and sophie gets calcifer to move this leaner castle so they can find Hal and help him because he's like battling with these like wizard bird monster things yeah war things and calcifer's like i can't do it i'm not strong enough (laughs) if only i had some hair to eat (laughs) and so he eats her braid 
And also at this point, Sophie kind of changes from an old woman again back into a young girl, except her hair is still white. And then Calcifer has strength enough from her hair to like move the castle. So they're in a a leaner castle, like I said. It's much faster. It's It's swifter. It's smaller. And then the Witch of the Waste, who we're not sure if is senile half the time. (laughs) We don't know. Is she sundowning at this moment? We don't know. (laughs) She suddenly is like, oh, Calcifer, you have Hal's heart. And I've always wanted Hal's heart. So she just grabs the burning ember coal heart of Calcifer slash Hal and grabs it and catches herself on fire. <laughs> yeah. So she's like burning alive. Yeah. And I kind of forgot how this went. I'm like, does she die here? I kind of hope she dies. <laughs> like she just burns alive. Yeah. Um, but Sophie, quick as ever, grabs a bucket of water and puts the fire out. But also kind like, of kills ser- like, Cal- Calcifer. Y- yeah. Calcifer is like not much more than just like a hot rock yeah. at this point. Yeah. And then this causes what was left of the castle to just fall apart. Yeah. And sends Sophie careening into a valley that she somehow survives. Yes. <laughs> and then Hal gave her this ring a while ago that's supposed to like be the essence of Calcifer and like lead her back to him. This is a speed round, by the way. We're just like point for point for point just going I through know. this. I know. And so the ring st- activates and she's like, maybe Calcifer's not dead. And it points to this doorway and she goes in it. And then when she goes through it, it's like this <laughs> mist and she's kind of floating through it. And then she's in this cottage. She goes outside of the cottage. The dog is with her just yeah. in case you're worried about her. Uh, and she sees a young howl walking through this meadow where all these falling stars are falling. And you basically like come to realize that howl catches a falling star. <laughs> and then he's like, you know, I'm going to eat it. <laughs> <laughs> and then he eats it. And then out pops his heart. So he kind of like makes, you see him make this deal with Calcifer. And so Sophie's finally like, oh, I get it. Okay. I just got to put it back. <laughs> and as she's being pulled out of this world, yeah. like Hal looks over and she's like, find me in the future. Yeah. It's like a really <laughs> and you're weird. you're like, wait, is she actually in the past right now? Or is she seeing a vision of it? Do they know that she's supposed to save them? Did like, Hal know the whole time that she was, like, the person from his childhood? Did Hal, as a teenager, when that happened, like, have this experience of, like, making the deal with Calcifer? And then he just looks over, and there's a woman just <laughs> shrinking into the ground, and she's like, find, find me! me! <laughs> <laughs> he's like, what? <laughs> he's like, I feel like this deal isn't going to work out very well. It's not clear. But when Sophie gets out of that, like, flashback thing... Uh, Hal is there in even more bird form. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) More bird than normal. And she's like, take me to Calcifer. And then he pops out one bird leg and she rides on it. (laughs) It is just one. It's one Why is it just one big foot? (laughs) I don't know. But he takes her to Calcifer. And this is where she's like, I can put you back and I can fix this. And like we said when we were talking about the book, the book at least gives a little more context. Like Sophie has this magical ability and that's why she has to be the one to do this. Otherwise yeah. it could kill both Hal and Calcifer in the movie. They're just kind of like, you got to be the one to do it. And there's like, and no she's like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, why? Yeah. <laughs> um, but she does it and Hal is fine. And Calcifer is also fine. And yeah. Comes back. Mm-hmm. And, the um scarecrow in his efforts to save them 
was like injured. Yeah. And so she's like, I'm going to kiss that big old turnip head. Yeah. And then he transforms into the prince yes. that was mentioned maybe once this entire movie. Yeah. He's like, I'm the prince that's been missing this <laughs> whole time. Like, Dashing young man. And everyone's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> he's like, now that I've kissed my one true love, Sophie, and he looks yeah. over and Sophie's just like making out with Hal. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like this ending is so rapid and so absurd and yeah. weird that, like, I can't help but think this was, like, an intentional joke of just, like, <laughs> when you d- couldn't think one more thing could happen. Yeah. Let's throw in this random prince storyline with yeah. the scarecrow. Yeah. Uh, and then the prince And then is- he's like, let's stop this war. <laughs> oh, my. He, yeah. He's like, I'm going to go put an end to this war. Bye. Meanwhile, uh, Lady Solomon is watching what's happening like in a crystal ball in a crystal ball because she's watching like the dog that was like a, a, a spy sec- a spy like a secret agent <laughs> and she's like oh you rascal and then she's like okay let's end this stupid war she's like oh the game's over like jesus christ what like once again who was this war with and how can you just decide to end it so easily yeah it unless is- the point is like that war is just like ridiculous i don't know I don't know. It just was, <laughs> I, I laughed so hard at that line because I'm like, it just felt like at the end, Miyazaki is just like, just wrap everything up. Okay, we're done. Like, we're pr- done. Like we're production done. like lost all its money and he's like, we got to end this in five minutes. <laughs> he's like, animate on twos only and just like, <laughs> oh my God, yeah. It's just absurd. Yeah. But then we get a last shot of the castle and now it's a flying castle mm-hmm. instead of a walking castle and Sophie and Hal are like real cute in different outfits and they kiss yeah. and then you can see like Markle and the dog like playing in the courtyard and yeah. I guess the witch is still there we don't I don't know if we see maybe her she not. died yeah <laughs> um, but they she all died seem of her like, burns they all seem like really happy together it's yeah. really sweet it's really cute yeah and it's a nice sweet ending it is yeah we did it. We did it. We got through both. Oh, yeah. my God. So yes. many plot points. Both confusing in their own ways. <laughs> I was like, Miyazaki must have read this book and like, mm, it's good, but it could be more confusing. <laughs> <laughs> I just wish they talked more about Sophie being magical in the movie. That's my biggest quip like, with the movie. That even makes the hair thing make sense. Like, oh, yeah. she has magic in her. So yeah. so Calcifer eating the braid. Yeah. Ma- gave him strength. Gave him strength. Yeah. Like. That would have just explained a lot. And like we do we do get though that Sophie is control in control of the curse and is able to yes. break it over herself. Yeah. Like Calcifer isn't the one to break it. In the book, it's not broken until the end after she fulfills the bargain with Calcifer, so you're not sure if Calcifer broke it or if Sophie just breaks it at the end. But in the movie, it's more clear to us that Sophie has control over it. She just kind of chooses to stay in this old woman form. Yeah. Yeah, which I, I liked that a lot. Yeah. As like a plot, like a, a character portion. Yeah. Okay. Time 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 to decide the verdict. How about you go, babe? I'll go, because it's pretty easy for me. I say movie. I also say movie. You know, it's like there are things I appreciate about the book, the way it fleshes out howl a bit more. Yeah. There are some scenes that are really good in the book. But my God, what a what a convoluted it gets really lost in yeah. the end. 
Yeah. Just it, it just feels like things are thrown in to like it just felt like she had the author had all these like pieces. Yeah. And then was just deciding how to put them together at the end. Yeah. That I, I just could not follow at all. Yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of disappointing because when you start the book and like I'd say a good, like, probably, like, half or more yeah. of it is really strong. It is. And funny and interesting, and the characters are good, and I like where it's going. But then, like, a bunch of information is, like, thrown at you. Stuff is happening. Scenes are confusing. And, yeah, it just kind of lost me in the later half. Yeah. So that was a little disappointing. Um, I do have problems with the movie, um, like the scene we said about like kind of the fat shaming thing. Yeah. I wish Sophie had a little more power in it and that the characters and that the war wasn't so like one dimensional. Yeah. But it's fucking beautiful. Oh my God. It's amazing. And like a great soundtrack and it is a heartwarming and like sweet story. Mm-hmm. And I think they do a really good job with like what they did. Yeah. And it is like ultimately an empowering story for Sophie. It is. And so I like that a lot. And I just have like, I just love the movie. It's so good. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I do too. There's just like such a fun, whimsical vibe about it. And like, it is classic um, Miyazaki to just have kind of like a lot of these random magical elements. Yeah. But I I do think it takes it a bit too far in the Mm -hmm. movie where you're like, I'd like a little more explanation. Yeah. (laughs) Just a tad. Yeah. But. But we we wish that in the book, too. So. Yeah. And I'm I'm more willing to forgive it in the movie a bit because it just like feels more correct in the movie than in the book. So. And there are funny parts in both the book and the movie. But I think in the movie it feels a little more on point. Yeah. And I think comedy in general is just easier in a a, a film format because with the cadence of lines and performance into it yeah it's much easier to get the humor across so Mm -hmm. uh yeah movie movie it's movie for both of us yeah Woo! let's do lightning round lightning round all right so we honestly covered most of the things we wanted to talk about in the movie yeah like really briefly we at least mentioned almost everything yeah and there's not a lot of behind the scenes stuff that was overly interesting so Mm -hmm. we've just got two good book ones for you today yeah (laughs) the first one is uh michael and sophie were trying to solve this spell they were trying to figure out yeah and part of it was about catching a shooting star so they literally tried to go catch one with these like rapid walking boots yeah and they see one and they run after it and they manage to I forget if it like just stops at the ground or something. It's falling. It's falling. But they can talk to it. Yeah. It, it was a little confusing the setup. Yeah. But it sees them and is like kind of scared. And Michael's like, we just want to catch you. And the star is like, no, no, I'd rather die. Like <laughs> I'm supposed to die. I'm falling to my death. Let me die. And then it like flies into like. A pond and like kills itself just like <laughs> it's kind of creepy it's very like disturbing yeah it's like very uh adamant about being dead and angry at michael and sophie for like getting in the way of it getting dying. in the way of its perfect death <laughs> we we both thought of like uh either like the me the me seeks from rick yeah. and morty that just want to die or yeah. um in Adventure Time, there's like these like sentient balloons that get released into the air and they're like, 
yay, finally we can die. (laughs) (laughs) Those were the things that popped in my head because it was just so absurd and weird. But yeah. (laughs) There's this other part in the book. I know I said that the the movie is funnier, but there was one particular part in the book that I actually laughed out loud when I was reading it at work. (laughs) And it's this part where Sophie, like, can put magic into the things that she creates and the things that she talks to. And so she's like worried that Hal's suits, she like made them more attractive to women. (laughs) (laughs) And so she like cuts up his suit into triangles and then refashions it into a different suit. Yeah. But then it's too small. So she asked, I was so confused by this whole part. I know. So she asked Michael to help her put an enlargement enlargement spell on it to make it bigger and to make it Hal's size. And so they're like, cool, okay, we're good. So let me just read this part for you when Hal like puts on this suit. He was standing holding the door to the stairs open with an arm that was entirely hidden inside an immense blue and silver sleeve. His feet on the bottom stair were standing inside the top half of a gigantic blue and silver jacket. Hal's other arm did not come anywhere near the other huge sleeve. Sophie could see that arm in outline, making bulging gestures under a vast frill of collar. Beside Hal, the stairs were full of blue and silver suit trailing back all the way to his bedroom. And then I'm skipping ahead a little bit. He set off with dignity to the bathroom, waiting in blue and silver suit. The rest of the blue and silver suit followed him dragging step by step down the stairs and rustling across the floor. By the time Hal was in the bathroom, most of the jacket was on the ground floor and the trousers were appearing on the stairs. (laughs) (laughs) Hal half shut the bathroom door and seemed to go on hauling the suit in hand over hand. (laughs) Sophie and Michael and the dog man stood and watched yard after yard of blue or silver fabric Proceed across the floor, decorated with an occasional silver button the size of a millstone and enormous regular rope-like stitches. There may have been nearly a mile of it. (laughs) I just love this part. I I think I was listening on audiobook when that part came up, and I kind of zoned out, so I I loved hearing you read it, like, way way more. It was so funny. (laughs) Uh... So that's, those are the two lightning round uh, moments we have for you today. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. This was so fun. I love Miyazaki. So glad we could talk about one of his movies. Yeah, absolutely. It was great to revisit this movie and just get to enjoy it because it's such a sweet and lovely film. Yes. And it was great to uh, kind of a good change of pace from our previous episodes. So yeah. uh, thank you so much for listening. If you want to leave a star rating on Apple Podcasts, that is excellent. We'd we love that. Very appreciate that. We are at cover to credits pod at gmail.com. And we are at cover two credits with the number two on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Please send us any suggestions, any ideas for episodes, your thoughts on Howl's Moving Castle. Yeah. What's your favorite Miyazaki film? Yeah. Oh, I'd love to know that, actually. Yeah. Uh, we love doing recommendations, though. Yes. Because it saves us the trouble of picking. <laughs> <laughs> picking adaptations to do we're like great do that one so please send us any that you have we love yes. doing those mm-hmm. also find us on patreon you know we we love our patrons so much they help offset the cost of hosting fees 
for our podcast mm-hmm. and uh, just any equipment or anything that we've purchased or will have to buy in the future. Yes. Um, it's just immensely helpful. And we, like we said, we very much appreciate all our wonderful patrons, all our amazing, wonderful patrons. Mm-hmm. And even though we'll take suggestions from anyone, yes, we put priority on patrons. Exactly. We'll, mm-hmm. we'll do that shit like next day, <laughs> next day delivery on any suggestions. We will read a book and watch a movie, record an episode, day. edit it, and then send it to you specifically. <laughs> None of that is true, but please, <laughs> if you want to be a patron, we greatly appreciate it. Yeah. For the next two episodes, we're kind of going to be doing... Uh, some favorites of ours so for our next episode we'll be doing one of ian's favorites favorite movies uh children of men and the book that it's based on yeah it is maybe my favorite movie of all time i've never read the book we'll see how that goes we'll see how it goes i can i I can already tell you're gonna be biased so we'll we'll see might be we'll see (laughs) uh and then without saying what it is the next episode after that we'll be discussing one of Adina's favorite books and movie adaptations of all time. Yep. And this is in honor of our upcoming 50th book movie episode. episode. Yes. We've done some bonus ones, but this will be the 50th book adaptation adaptation that we've covered. So excited. We're so happy and so excited. Yes. It's coming up on two years that we've been doing this and it has been so much fun. We love it. We love it. And we're so happy for all of our listeners. Mm -hmm. And just thank you for. for Thank you for being being here. here. Thank you for listening. We love you. We do. We truly, truly love you. And we will see you next episode. You're amazing, babe. I didn't say week. I I didn't say next week. (laughs) I said next episode. Thank you. (laughs) Bye. Bye.